For over 10 years, I couldn't get my productions to sound how I wanted, so I buried myself in online tutorials trying to figure out why, and even having some of the same tools as other producers and mixers I envied, my productions weren't coming even close. I've heard the term referencing get thrown around, and I thought I was referencing the right way myself, but I was totally wrong, and over time developed a referencing system that would help me produce any desired result. I'm excited to announce that you can now use this same system yourself in our new course, The Magical Guide to Referencing. This gives you the exact framework I've used and successfully taught hundreds of students through the years. If you're ready to stop chasing your mixing tail in circles and ready to understand any mix you hear to replicate those same results for yourself, you can find a link to the magical guide to referencing in the description wherever you're listening. See you there, my friends. Hello and welcome to Working in Music Sucks. My name is John Maciel and for almost two decades I've been working in the audio recording industry. I've worked with producers and mixers like Bo Rochelle, Joey Sturgis and Josh Newell and countless others on records with bands like Era, Census Fell and Mooseblood. And along this journey I've also worked with two of the biggest music educational companies where I helped thousands of aspiring engineers achieve their dreams of making music production a fulfilling full-time career. But as great as that sounds, to be honest, the first 10 years of working in music sucked. I started this podcast to talk about what sucks about working in music so others like myself who love music production and want to wake up every morning fulfilled and driven to making records people love can do just that. Working in music sucks, but with what we talk about on this podcast, it doesn't have to any longer. If that sounds like your cup of coffee, then you're in the right place, my friends. Let's get into it. This episode is another strange one because I want to talk about audio courses and why they do and do not work sometimes. And it's really frustrating um, because I see so many people buy courses and just aren't stoked on results. And I'm always, and when I ask more questions, it usually comes out to them. Um, sometimes the courses, but also I think it takes a certain type of individual to be able to buy a course online and then learn what's going on in it and implement it. It's, you know, and with, it's just with audio, it's so hard. Like I've bought a lot of audio courses in my time. And something I noticed is like when I first started, I would watch it and all the information would just kind of go through my head and I'd be like, what? <laughs> like super confused. And like, I, I think at the moment in time, I understood it, right? Cause I had just processed the information. So I understood it at that moment in time. But then a week later or whatever it might be, I would totally forget and be like, wait, what was the, uh, what was I supposed to be? What was the thing? What? <laughs> I would be so confused. Like, wait, 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 what did I just, what did I just study? I swear. I, I like knew this. And it's because sometimes where we are in our journeys, we're not ready for the material. And it's really hard to accept that because as someone who is designing courses and has helped uh, create courses and content of educational nature, it came really, really abundantly clear that sometimes like there are like levels to what you're creating and someone has to be at a certain level for them to actually engage and understand the content. I mean, me myself, when I have gone through a, a program or something and thought I got it going to do my own thing for like six to nine months 
and revisit the content, all of a sudden all these light bulbs are coming up. I was like, oh, and it's because I've gone through and I've done the trial and error and I've done, I've gotten the experience to now my brain's able to connect the dots to things the educator is saying and then subtle nuances in what they're not saying. And then be like, but what about this? But what about that? And there's kind of a level of practical application that needs to happen in order for audio courses to work. And if people are just passively consuming them, it doesn't work. It's kind of the way I like to think about it is people buy workout programs all the time. And a lot of people will watch workout videos online, will watch workout videos in the DVD sets that they buy or DVD sets, my God, Blu-ray or online courses. And they'll watch the workout, right? To mentally prepare themselves for like what they're going to do. Like, okay, this is what's going to be happening on Monday. They'll watch the workout. Monday comes and they're like, oh, I'll do it Tuesday. I'll do it Wednesday. I'll do it Thursday. And they, they prolong it. And it's like, it's one thing to watch. It's another thing to go and participate and learn what is going on and how your body moves. And when they're saying, oh, do this for adjustment, you don't know if you actually need to do that until you're trying. And then once you're trying, you're like, oh, okay, I got it. Or I don't got it. Audio is the same way. And I kind of personally feel that if audio courses actually worked, there would be way more successful audio engineers. That And this isn't just online courses too. I'm talking about audio school in general. Like I did audio school and I actually didn't learn into much until I went into the real world, did it myself, got on with online audio engineering courses, went and did more work myself, then got an internship. And then I, I, I got increasingly better with more hands-on experience and then referring back to the material. But where I really did 90% of my learning was actually doing things and screwing up a lot. And the thing with audio school is everyone is fighting to get their hands on gear or something of that nature. And it's incredibly frustrating when you like sign a sheet and then you realize, Oh, like I'm not going to be able to do that thing at that time. Like that's just not a reality for me. And you're just sitting there like completely frustrated because like you're paying thousands of dollars to just not be able to touch certain pieces of gear at a certain time. But it's kind of like a controlled simulated environment. So you're not getting the real world hands-on experience. And I remember one of the most, uh, my f intense situations that I had been in in my first part of my journey, I was interning at a studio in San Diego and I was asked to do a vocal tracking session for an artist because everyone was out of town uh, for a holiday and this artist was the only time and I happened to still be in town. So I was like, sure. And it was my first time doing it. So like I'm on the phone trying to get information. I'm like, okay, I've never done this. So I'm literally like, what do I need to do? And they're telling me like, okay, you want to patch this patch that. And when I had like done the theory part of like how you make playlists and pro tools, how you do certain things. I had the theory down. Right. But when you're in the hot seat and you're sitting there and you have to be faster than the artist and kind of be a ghost at the same time, it was insane how different of a situation it was from reading and practicing on your own to like being there in the hot seat. And after that, 
I was extremely like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did this. Like, this is completely insane. And I, I had this light bulb moment that I was like, oh, I'm not going to actually learn how to actually, like, I've been interning, but really I've been like cleaning and just messing with things after everyone's done. I need to get thrown into more hot seats, basically. I need to really get in there and really figure the, th- the shit out if I'm going to get better. And that's when I really like was having a hard time dealing with like, why am I paying so much money for audio school when it's actually the practical application that's going to mean anything to any of these artists. Like the artists didn't, didn't ask me if I had gone to audio school. They did not care. They wanted to know if I could do the session, record their vocals and then move and they can go on with their day. That's what they cared about. They didn't care about where I got um, my education from. They wanted to know if I had the skill set to practically pull off the job. And throughout the years of working in the field and with the educational side, I've come to realize a lot of people over rely on the content of the courses that are manufactured in a controlled state than actually going out and doing things. And, you know, I, I can't express enough that like audio courses don't actually work unless you do the work. And, you have to be willing to like, if you're going to buy a, a course, it's like, this is how you produce a record. You need to, you know, be producing your own record in real time while watching the course to practice the things that they're teaching you at the best that you can. Like maybe you don't have a drum set or maybe you can't sing. You, you need to get as close as possible. And my biggest thing for people who want to be engineers, but they're like, I can't find artists to work with or whatever. You need to st- Start doing it yourself. You need to, you know, program drums, hire drummers, um, do covers, hire drummers to play the drums on covers, hire vocalists, coach the vocalists in the studio with you, rent out a studio, get that experience of like what renting the studio is like. Don't wait until it's time to do these things. Be proactive and go and do them. And you're creating you're creating a sense of like you're giving yourself confidence and like, okay, I'm putting myself into studio situations to where I'm comfortable in these environments, not, Oh, I'm in a studio. Fuck. Like, I don't want to fuck this up, you know? And you really just have to put in the work and it really bums me out when people spend a lot of money on courses or audio school. And then they're like, Oh, it didn't work. And I'm like, and the more questions you ask, you're like, Oh, well, yeah, of course it didn't work. You didn't put in the work. It's like, yeah, your P90X didn't work out because you didn't work out. You, it can't actually work unless you do the work and you put in the time, you put in the reps. They're not going to always be fun. It's not always going to be sexy, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And once you go through those hurdles, like I stated earlier, you're going to come back and you're going to be like, oh my God, like all these little light bulbs are going to go off. You're just going to be like, oh my God, I get this. I get this now. I get that now. And then you're going to be hungrier for knowledge. You're going to want more because you're going to have a new baseline, of understanding and comprehension that you've never had before. And you only get there by putting in those reps. Like I remember one time in, um, I think it was Mike, Mike senior from sound on sound. He would do this thing called mix rescue. And I remember in an interview or an article in the magazine, he stated that when you first start with mixing and you first start with audio, you're so scared of problems you're absolutely terrified. You're like, I don't want to deal with this problem because you don't have the knowledge yet and the core skills and the real world experience 
to deal and fix these problems that they scare you. Then when you eventually get enough experience and you've put in enough time, you no longer are scared of, you know, finding these issues. You invite them and welcome them because you know that it's going to be another tool in your toolkit. And you, you gain the confidence to like any new problem that arises, instead of being like, oh, you're like, hmm, how do I fix this? And then you, you know, go and consume forums and knowledge and read up on like, how have other people figured this out? And it gives you this, you, you get this dopamine hit when you figure these things out. Whereas when you're first starting, it's nerve wracking. But the more you actually practically imp implement what you're learning, you're just going to be better at whatever it is that you're doing, you know? And with audio, it's not just like, mixing or audio engineering, it could be that you have a good grasp on that stuff, but your producing sucks. So you need to actually study songwriting and music theory and get confident in those. So that's one you're mixing and, you know, recording, you know, how instrumentation is going to play with one another. Some people need, some people have the theory and the theory helps them out a lot. Other people don't understand the theory, but they have a good sense of feel and they trust their instincts. Um, but when it comes to like mixing, they're just like, they're lost, right? But they're good at getting recorded tones. Everyone has their, their give and take essentially. But the moral of this episode is that if you've just, if you're thinking about buying that course, or if you're thinking about buying one of the courses that Plugin Alley has released or is going to release, I know firsthand from working in this industry and seeing the content, most people genuinely care about their content and want it to be as easily consumable as possible. And also hitting all the marks that they themselves feel from their experience, most people need help with and will help them on their journeys. But that's, that's their part. They've done their part. You have to do your part. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And then you're going to end up bummed and you're going to be out so much money. So just make sure that before you take the plunge into your, you know, going to audio school, buying that audio course, buying that audio book, whatever it may be, before you take that plunge, really ask yourself, are you going to put in the work and start off with one thing at a time? So many times people will say, Oh, I bought like the, like these 10 courses or whatever. And it's like, have, which one are you focusing on? I'm going to just do them all. And it's going to go back to that situation I mentioned earlier where you consume everything and then it all goes out the window. You don't remember until you've learned how to learn or how your style of learning works and your comprehension and your practical skills. Just take it one course at a time, one book at a time, really soak it in, give it some time, sit on it. Then move on to the next thing. Time is on your side as you're starting your journey. And if you're more experienced, you know, I honestly feel like you just need to learn how to learn in your style. If you're, if you're like, every time I get a course, I'm never wild. It's like, maybe your expectations are different. Maybe instead of focusing on technical skills, you need to focus on emotive skills, which is a whole different conversation when it comes to audio and music making. Um, and a pretty decent book talks about is the new Rick Rubin one. Um, I forgot what it's called, but that one kind of reminded me of another book from a guy named Chase Jarvis who started at Creative Live. Um, both those books are pretty good at helping you kind of connect with like the emotive side of creation and manufacturing it. So yeah, just another thing that sucks about working in music, right? <laughs> so, you know, hopefully with what we talked about in this episode today, 
working in music doesn't have to suck anymore. Catch you on the next one.